I want to um, say a few things before I get started. Uh, first of all, my wife is gone, and I still got fed this morning. I did. I got fed. I mean, went by the gas station, got me one of those cherry pies. Anybody? Come on. Come on now. Come on, cherry pie. Um, I love those little cherry pies. But, um, you know, when your wife is gone or your spouse is gone, you know, things tend to, to fall apart, right? I mean, that's, that's a sign of a good wife or a good husband or whatever. Um, anyway, so my wife, she was gone. She's actually, she's in Waco, Texas this morning. She may be leaving now, but she was uh, in Waco this morning. She ran a half marathon. She was first in her division, and she was the 11th. Yeah. And she was the 11th um, female overall. She said, yeah, exactly. Um, so, well, today I want to I wanna continue a series that I started last week. How many of you guys were here last week? Anybody here last week? Yeah, a few of you guys were here last week. Well, uh, it, by... I'll just kind of give you a little bit of background, and then I want to kind of touch on what I talked about last week, and then I want to go into the message today. The, the series is actually titled, Don't Tread on Me. Don't Tread on Me, Fighting for the Things That God Cares About. Fighting for the Things That God Cares About. And, 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 and through the inspiration of our military, through the inspiration of some, some heroes that, that I've been able to you know, watch some movies. Uh, if you guys have seen American Sniper and Lone Survivor, some great movies about some heroes of ours. Um, and through that inspiration, God, God asked me to preach this series. Um, it's not, it's not one of my favorite series just cause it, there's, there's, there's tension when you show a flag like this, or you show, you talk about certain things there's just going to be this tension, but I'm learning to be okay with the tension and I need you to be okay with the tension as well. Um, I, I believe this, I believe, and, and, and can I just tell you, God confirms what he wants me to do and he'll confirm to you what you, what he wants you to do as well. Last week before I was driving into this uh, to church, I was like, God, I don't, I, I, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm. I don't. I don't know what to say half the time. I don't know, you know how this is going to go. And the first license plate I saw when I was driving into town was this license plate. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, God, I, I don't know. Just I'm going to shut up now. You can hit me in the back of the head if you want. You know. So and then. I feel like what we're going to talk about today and what we're going to talk about maybe in the next few weeks is, 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 is it's a, like a climax of things that are happening in our world. So I believe that the timing is perfect. I believe that God has asked me to do this, and so I'm sending before you today a humble servant trying to please God and just do what he's asked me to do. Uh, I, my words are not going to always come out right, but I hope that you know my heart is, is to, to show love and to, to, um, to bring us together. And so, again, I believe that as Americans, I believe that as, as Christians, we have the right and the responsibility to fight for things God cares about. Amen? I believe that. Um, and, and, but at the same time, I believe that, that we are called to also care for those that oppose us. You see, I mean, so we can, we can disagree and that's okay, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna love each other as we walk away from this. And like the snake, you know, the rattlesnake, it's American timber rattlesnake on that, that flag there. And if you want more of the history behind it, listen to what last week's message. Uh, but the, like that rattlesnake, that rattlesnake is not, it, 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 a rattlesnake, if you notice, they never begin an attack. They never begin it, right? They only attack if they are threatened, 
Um, and, and so just like that rattlesnake, I believe that we're not called to begin the attack, but when the attack comes and the attack is against the, the God of the universe and the things that God stands for, we are called to show courage and never surrender. Amen? Can I get some more amens? I mean, that would help me. I, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling sweaty and scared today. Of course, I'm sweaty because I chased a calf around the yard and I'm old. Um, but, but here's the thing. I, I also believe that like these rattles on the rattlesnake, and I mentioned this last week, there's 13 there standing for the 13 colonies in, in 1775. But like those rattles right there, one rattle by itself is useless. If you were to take one rattle away from all 13, it would make no noise. But all, three, all 13 rattles together, they make noise. And they, they warn, even the boldest man, don't tread on me. I believe that we are to be the same way. Together we can make some noise for the glory of God, speaking the truth in love. And I believe that's what God has called us to do. Alone, we're going to fall, we're going to fail. To get, I mean, we don't have anybody to get our back. We don't have anybody in front of us. I mean, just like soldiers, just like those Navy SEALs, they always have someone in front. Always, they don't have to worry about somebody coming up behind them because they got somebody behind them that's going to defend them. So today, again, I, I believe that we are called to do this thing together. Last week, we learned that, number one, we are at war. There, there is a time for war. We live in two dimensions. We live in a physical dimension where you have the evil of this world, right? The evil people of this world. And, and we fight physical wars for our freedom and for the, again, the glory of God. But then there's the spiritual dimension that many of us don't, we don't even know is on the radar. But it's the real war. The real war is against the evil one, the devil himself, who comes and attacks us, and his number one goal is to destroy us. And I don't know about you, but I desire to go down fighting. <laughs> if he's going to come after me, we're going to go to blows. And I'm not talking about physical fists, I'm talking about spiritual fists. You see what I'm saying? Some of you guys are going to walk away, but he's full of hate. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm full of anger toward the evil one, not for our fellow man. Does that make sense? And so we're, there is a time for war. Um, you know, the Bible says there's a season for peace. There's a season for war. But our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12, for our, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Again, our enemy is evil. Our enemy is the devil, and we will stand and fight. And, and, and like it or not, we're, we're in a war. You can either be a part of the battle, and you can start fighting, and you can start trying to win for the glory of God, or you can just stand back and just watch everybody else get pummeled. I, I'm just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to stand by. Um, and some of you may say, well, we're never to fight. We're never to get angry. Well, I believe what we learned last week was Jesus showed us differently. I mean, Jesus had two responses when he was attacked. The first one, when the devil attacked his temple, and all the people were in the temple, and they were selling things, and they were disgracing the temple, what did he do? He turned the tables over. So you were to say, oh, he's a peace-loving shepherd guy. Who just walks around and frolics in the wood in the meadows half the time? No, listen. He is he is a, a god. He is Jesus, but he, at the same time, he knows when to get angry and he knows when to fight a fight. Does that make sense? And here's the thing about Jesus, and the thing that we ought to learn: He never sinned. 
So for me, getting angry isn't, isn't a sin. So for me to stand in front of people and say, this is not right, it's not a sin. But when I go to blows, when I degrade, when I don't respect, when I don't treat people fairly, that's the sin. Does that make sense? Um, in, in situ- every situation is different. So you say, well, Bo, he turned over tables. How are we supposed to turn over tables? And we learned that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, what? What's the, what's the scripture? Expose them. We're to expose the darkness of this world. Not take part in it. Not join the crowd. Not join the culture. But to expose the evils of this world. And here's what I've learned about the devil. You ready? When you expose what he's doing wrong, guess what he's going to do? He's going to attack. <laughs> and can I just tell you my first response? My first response is fear. I'm just going to be honest. It's fear. Because you know why? I have, you know, when I was single, I didn't have a care in the world. When I was single, my best friend was my chocolate lab, Murph. <laughs> And if something happened to Murph, I would be devastated. But now I have a family, I have children, and, and, and when, I, when I begin an attack on the devil, guess what he's going to do back at me? He's going to attack as well. And so while I don't fear my life, I don't fear for my life, and I'm not trying to be prophetic and I hope I don't get killed tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm just saying, while I, I don't necessarily fear how I'm going to die, I do worry about my family. But here's what God is teaching me. He's trying to teach me. I I, I need to be okay with the results. I'm called to be the messenger and deliver a message that he has given me to deliver. But I need to be okay with death. I need to be okay with suffering. I need to be okay with pain, no matter what it looks like. Because the Bible teaches that even though I will be persecuted for the things that I stand up for, I am blessed to call to be called into that suffering. Does that make sense? I know this is, some of you guys are like, holy crap, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer either. But that's a part of it. It's a part of it. Um, I, I watched a, a few interviews of the real lone survivor. His name is Marcus Luttrell. Anybody seen the lo- movie Lone Survivor? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he made this comment and it stuck in my head. When they asked him, they said, well, you know, do you ever think about dying? And if you didn't see the movie or if you don't know who Marcus Luttrell is, there was this squad, this Navy SEAL squad, they went in, uh, they made some decisions uh, to honor some people, and I'm trying not to give everything away, but they made some decisions to let some people go that they could have shot and killed. Anyways, the enemy comes after them, there was four of them, three of them died, he was the lone survivor, and he made it out alive. So, it, but listen to this, when they asked him, they said, do you ever think about dying when you're out there fighting? And here was his reply, we're all going to die. He said, I wrote that check a long time ago. I know that I'm going to die. But here's what he added. He says, but when you come to grips that you are going to die, it's amazing how much harder you can fight. And I don't know about you, but I'm inspired by that. Because you know why? We're all going to die. No matter if, if I go out and I, you know, I'm in a war, or not, we're all going to die. And when I can come to grips with that and I can say, okay, God, however you want that to take place, I'm fine with it. I don't want to leave my kids. I don't want to leave my wife, but I'm fine with it. Wherever you want to take me, I will go for your glory. Then I can be released to fight even harder. Does that make sense? And so I I don't know about you, but that's a challenge uh, for me. Therefore, listen, like it or not, we're at war. 
And God is calling us to fight. Jesus, he fought. He fought for the things that he believed in, the, the things that, that, that his father believed in. That was the first response that he had. The second response that Jesus had in some cases was he was silent. I mean, when he was being attacked and they were putting false accusations against him and he was taken to court, he didn't say much. When they said, are you going to defend yourself? He was silent. And so here's the point. I I believe that God has called me to fight at this point in my life, in this season of my life. He's saying, Bo, you need to stand up and you need to fight. But that's not always the case. We have to determine what pleases the Lord and we have to learn, am I going to fight? Does God want me to fight? Is that what pleases Him in every situation? Or has He called me to shut up and be quiet so that His will can be done? Does that make sense? And so some of you guys are like, oh, let's fight, let's fight. And God may be saying, you need to be silent. You've talked way too much. Does that make sense? And so that's the Jesus that, that shows us how to, how, to, um, how to fight this fight. Um, I declared to you last week that I, I believe, again, God has called me to fight. It may, it may be just through this series. It may be hopefully through one-on-one conversations that I get to have with people. But, but, but some of you guys are like, well, Bo, that's you. I mean, God's telling you to do that. Why are you telling us to do this? Here's why. Because God has called me to equip you to fight. I would be a sorry preacher if I walked in here and I said, fight, but here, I don't know how. Fight, but I don't give you any weapons, right? So again, God has called me to equip you so that you can learn how to fight when the attack comes. So that's what God has called me to do. And and you may be saying, well, I may disagree with what you say today. And can I just say that's cool? It's okay. I'm I'm okay with that. I I can promise you that my words are not always going to come out right. And I need you to show me that grace. But I can also promise you that my heart is right. And that at Thousand Hills we will practice love even when we disagree. So I invite you to join me at the table in this conversation. And I invite you in love. Because here's why. Contrary to popular belief, disagreement doesn't equal hate. It doesn't. Just as we disagree doesn't mean we can't go out and, and drink a beer or get a Coke. Does that make sense? And so, so listen, today I, I, begin, I, I want us to begin to look at, at what God has called us to fight for. What, is, what does God care about and how does he want us to fight? Okay, this is, We're going to cover one thing today and I'm going to give you a series of you know, things to think about. All right, What are we called to? To, to fight for it. What does God you know, care about and how are we called to fight for it? Number one is this, and this is what we're going to do today. We are, are to fight, we fight for racial reconciliation. <laughs> yeah, you're going, holy crap, Bo's going there. Yes, yes, I am. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you just felt the racial tension all around you? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, you don't know what to say. You know, you don't know what to, 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 to do. You don't know whether to smile. You don't know whether to not smile. You don't know whether to do this or to do that. You're scared of offending or saying something wrong. Well, can I just tell you, I believe that the events of the world, the political correctness of the world, the many other things that I believe that more and more people are facing this tension. 
And I believe that we ought to be able to equip them on how to handle the tension. Does that make sense? Here's why. My desire is to learn to be okay with the, 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 the uh, tension for the sake of reconciliation. You with me? For the sake of reconciliation. So I, I by no means am a racial expert. I am by no means uh, you know, an expert on any of this stuff. But what I want to be is a student of it. And I want to be a leader in the fight for racial reconciliation. I admit it. I'm a white boy through and through. I admit that. I admit that I'm ignorant to what my friends of color have to endure on a daily basis. And, and, and believe it or not, there is, a such, there is such a thing as white privilege. There is. And we're going to talk about that today. And so I'm committed to fight for this restoration. Fight for racial reconciliation. And to say to the evil one, don't tread on me and don't tread on my brothers of another color. So you say, yeah, can I guess? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I need more of that. Come on now. Um, so, but Bo, you, you, you may say, Bo, this is really complex. I mean, you, you, I don't know why you're going here. I don't know what you're thinking. Here, here's the truth. I, I would agree that in the cultural, on the cultural level, this is very complex. But here's what else I believe. I believe on a biblical and a spiritual level, it's very simple. Very simple. And so today I want to I show you some scriptures on how we come to racial reconciliation. I'll give you my background real quick and then I'm going to dive in, okay? Here's my background. You say, well, Bo, you don't, you, you don't hang out with other you know, people of other color. I grew up going to school. I went to Duncan High School. We were the demons. We possessed people. My mom hated it. <laughs> Anyways, I grew up and, and I went to school. I, I played sports and I, and I had friends of, of color. Um, whether they, you know, I, I've studied with them. I've laughed with them. I've cried with them. I've, I've stayed at their homes. I've sweat with blacks. I've sweat with Mexicans. I've sweat with Latinos. I've, I've sweat with, you know, Mexicans. I've sweat with Israelis. I've sweat with Arabs. I, I've, I've been all over the world and I've experienced a lot of things. I shared a bunk one time with a wonderful, godly black man by the name of Sam Skinner, and he snored like a freight train. We were on a mission trip to Jamaica, and we ministered to Jamaican kids all week, and we led them to the Lord through Vacation Bible School. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've been to Mexico. I've been to old Mexico, and I've worked alongside of my Mexican brothers and sisters and we've knocked on doors day in and day out sharing the gospel with other Spanish-speaking people. I have proudly performed biracial weddings. And we have biracial couples that come to our church, and I'm proud of that. I, our church, and you may not know this, but the leaders of our church, we decided back in the day, I, because I became friends with a guy named Aleem Bakari, who is an African-American pastor, and he was, his desire was to start a church. Our church decided to support him by sending him thousands of dollars. Our church has been on the other end of that, where my friends, Pastor Shamari White and J uh, Jackie White, who are African-American, have sent us money. To help us start our church. And so you say, well, Bo, you know what? I mean, what, what, what are you saying here? Well, here's what I'm saying. I, I as, a, as an individual, my family, as, as our family and our church family celebrates the diversity of race and color. We celebrate it. 
We're not afraid of it. We're not, we're, not, we're not scared of it. We celebrate it. The truth is this, though. Racism is as old as the Bible. It is. You're going to learn today about some scriptures that show that there was racism even in the Bible. Um, you say, well, okay, Bo, how do we fight racial reconciliation? The first thing is this. We must admit that racism is still alive. I mean, some people are like naive to this. And, and I, I admit that some, at some points in my life, I've been naive to this. But we've got to admit it. We've got to just let it get out in the open. Racism is an issue. And though political correctness has tried to take it out of our mouths, it's still in our hearts and it's still in our actions. Whether you think it is or not. Therefore, we must not discredit our brothers of a different race who face hardships that us white people know nothing about. We can't discredit that. When you look at people and they're, 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 they're upset or they're, you know, they're talking about how they don't have it fair, in many cases they don't. It's just the truth. Um, and so, and can I just throw this in? Uh, this is free. If, if what you believe about race is contrary to the word of God, then what you believe is wrong. Even if your daddy taught you, and even if your granddaddy taught you, it's wrong. If it is contrary to the word of God, it is wrong. Truth is truth. Black beliefs, white beliefs, Latino beliefs, Mexican beliefs are only beautiful when they are biblical. They're only beautiful when they are biblical. And so here's the thing. We cannot allow the culture that we live in or that we grew up in lead the truth. We have to let the truth lead the culture. And so here's my commitment to you. My commitment to you as, as, as the pastor of this church, if there is racism in our church, I give you my word that we will find it and we will stomp it out. We will fight for racial reconciliation. So the first thing is we've got to admit that racism is still alive. Number two is this. We must respect each other. We must respect each other with our words, with our, with our attitudes, with what we do, with what we say. We must respect everybody. I, I needed help on this subject, obviously, because I, I, I again, I'm not an expert on this, but, so I called my friend Aleem Bakari, who's a pastor, an African-American pastor, and, and again, we've supported his church and his church plant. But I called him and I said, hey man, I, I need you to just show me some grace because I don't understand any of this. I, I, I really don't. I want your help. And so I called him and I asked him, I said, what's the number one reason why there is racism? You know what he said? His, this was his reply, and it could be different for other people, but he could, he, here's what he said. He said, there is, there's a lack of respect for us. A lack of respect for us. It's just like anybody else, and this could go both ways, white, black, Latino, whatever, but the, when you see something happen on TV, and it's a black person that ha- that, that's doing the wrong deed or whatever, we are wrong to say that all blacks are just like that black kid. Does that make sense? And so when he says, why, you know, what's the problem? It's because we lump all, sometimes we lump all blacks into the same category. And I'm telling you, it it works the other way as well. Sometimes black people put all white people in the same category. But that's what he said. And he shared with me, just because you see a a black person um, do something stupid on TV doesn't mean that that all black people are like that person. And he shared with me, he said, he went on to tell me stories that happen to him every day. 
people look at him and, and people thinking that just because he's black that he's a threat. He said, Bo, I've walked by cars at some point in the parking lot and they've locked their doors and I've heard it. I, he said, Bo, I, I've been given looks, you know, by a certain white women or white people, you know, for just minding my own business. He's, this, he said, this is the reality of being a black man. And so listen, friends, I, I want you to hear this. There, I Believe it or not, there is such a thing as white privilege. Let me give you some examples. As, as white people, we get respect that many races don't. I'm just telling you. You can believe this or not, but it's true. As white people, we will most likely never face any of these prejudices. You ready? We will never be profiled by law enforcement. Probably not going to happen. Our sons and daughters will never face someone's fear of them as they walk down the street. Um, My kids will probably never be followed around in a department store. No one is ever going to be surprised when one of my kids is articulate and well-spoken. No one is ever going to question why my son got that really great job. It's assumed that he's just highly qualified. These are are privileges. Um, My kids are never going to be labeled by the color of their skin as a terrorist. But a lot of people are. And so these are the advantages that we undoubtedly share as white people. And in our admission of these things, in our intentional effort to show proper respect for all people of race should be our desire. You know why? The Bible says it. First Peter chapter 2 verse 17 says, Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. And so first of all, we've got to admit that, the, that racism still exists. Second, we must show respect to all mankind. Number three is this. We must build authentic relationships with people of color. You say, well, our, 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 our mission statement or our purpose statement is, is to tear down religious barriers and build authentic relationships. Can I just tell you, this is just another way that God has shown me that our church needs to build authentic relationships with people of another color. I'm just telling you, Jesus did this in a bold way. I'll give you an example. He reversed 800 years of racism in 24 hours. You say, how did he do it? John chapter 4. Jesus is traveling. Listen, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. Two towns. They were right up on top of each other. Judea's down here. Galilee's up here. Right in the middle of that is a town called Samaria. Okay? I'm giving you the paraphrase today. But, but here's the thing. Most of the Jews, if you were to have you know, Judea down here and Galilee up here, most of the Jews would go right around Samaria. You know why? Because there was racial tension there. You know why? Because the Samaritans to the Jew were a mixed race. Mixed between uh, Jews and you know, Gentiles, Jews and other people of, of other races. But here's the thing. Jesus was on a journey. He could have gone around, but he decided to go through Samaria. He, he decided to go through there. And, and in John chapter 4, listen to what it says. It says, now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So I want to stop right there. 
You have Jesus in Samaria. All the Samaritans live there. He's in Samaria. He stops at a well called Jacob's Well. Jesus stops to get a drink at Jacob's Well. And, and, and here's where the story takes place. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well. You say, well, why was she there? Well, she was there to get a drink out of the well. She was there at noon. I don't know if you knew this, but most of the women went either of a morning or of an evening. This woman has showed up at noon. You say, well, why did she show up at noon? Well, I believe it was a God-appointed opportunity, number one. The other side of it is she was an outcast even to the Samaritans. She was a Samaritan woman, but she was an outcast. Why? Because she was um, living in sin. She had, all, she had four or five husbands, you know, and she was living with a guy that she wasn't supposed to be living with. So she wasn't married to. She was full of sin, and she was an outcast to her own people. So she didn't even want to see her own people. So she shows up at the well, and here is where we see Jesus tear down racism. Because here's why. The well is called Jacob's well. I don't know if you know who Jacob is, but Jacob was the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. Three of the most patriotic people of our Christian faith. And that's where the well was. And so the fact is, listen to this, both Samaritans and Jews loved Jacob. They both loved him. You know why? Because again, he was a patriarch of the faith. Therefore, this well was a place that they both loved. Jews and Samaritans. You say, well, okay, well, what's the point? Well, here's the, here's the point. Jesus met her at a place of common ground. I want you to think about it. Here's this well, loved by Samaritans, loved by Jews, and Jesus, that's where he meets this woman. He, he didn't ask her to come to his place and talk to, to issues that on his ground. She didn't come to him and say, hey, won't you come over here and talk to me on my ground? No, they met at a common place. And you say, well, what's the application? Here's the application. If we are going to be a part of racial reconciliation, we must be willing to find some common ground and both sides must come to the well and work for it. Does that make sense? Jesus takes it a step further. Look, look at John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. It says, When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Listen, Jesus asked this woman who he's not even supposed to talk to according to tradition, according to the culture. He's not even supposed to be talking to her. And he says, hey, would you give me a drink? I mean, the woman, do you, what do you, can you imagine it? I mean, this is the first time probably a Jew guy or Jew male has actually even talked to her. She was dumbfounded. I mean, she was a Samaritan woman. He was a Jewish male. And you say, here's the question that came up. How did she know he was a Jew? How did she know? I mean, it, what, you know, again, they probably had similar color. I mean, it, it, again, the, the Samaritans were mixed Jews. They were mixed with other races. They probably had similar colors. So how? Well, maybe it was his accent. Maybe it was the, the clothing that he had on. He looked Jewish. He looked it, right? So you say, well, what's the point? Well, here's the second point. Jesus didn't stop being who he was to reach someone of a different race. Jesus didn't go put on his Samaritan clothes and go, hey, I'm going to act like a Samaritan. He, he was himself. And you say, well, what, what's the point there? I mean, again, he didn't fake it to make it. He looked Jewish. 
And, and so here's the thing. What the woman, the Samaritan woman liked and what she positively responded to was that Jesus wasn't acting Jewish. Do you see the difference? It's okay to look like God has called you to look. But, he, but what Jesus changed was he didn't act like she expected him to act. And so, again, he, he was willing to put his Jewish lips to her Samaritan cup. He didn't let the prejudice of his own race affect how he was going to act toward her. And you say, Bo, what's the application? Listen, God is not asking us to stop being who we are to reach someone that is different than us. I don't know about you, but when I get around my black friends, what, what do you do? What's up, bro? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we kind of go into this, I'm a black man now, kind of a, you know, fake idea. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's what I do. I mean, what's up, bro? And we like, you know, change our hat, like, you know, and we're like, hey, man, you know, or we talk to our Hispanic friends. We're like, what's up, what's up? You know, I mean, I'm like, this is, this is what we do. And it's fun in some cases, but in some cases, it's stupid. But we try to act like the people that we're friends with. Jesus said, you know what? Be yourself. But don't act like what the culture expects you to act like. So God is not asking me to like soul music. <laughs> He's not asking me to like mariachi music, even though I love it. Even though I don't know what they're saying, I love it. And, what, what, and he's not asking black people or Hispanics to love country music. He's not. You know, what he's saying is both of us just need to be like him. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, we got the, you know, the clapping. Can we all clap together one time? I mean, I think that'd be cool. And can I just throw this side note in? Uh, the Samaritan woman, guess what? She, Jesus, he shares the gospel with her and she ends up becoming a believer. And she goes back to her town and she shares with all the other Samaritans what Jesus did for her and they all became believers. Here, here's, the, here's the deal. Here's the point. And, 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 and I want to point this out. This is a side note. A lot of well-meaning church people want to just save the souls of men. But Jesus flipped that when he said, before I give you the good news, I'm going to drink from your cup. You say, what's the, what's the point there? Jesus, he, he built an authentic relationship with her. He says, let's have a drink. Let's sit down. Let's be married. Let's talk. Let's hang out a little bit. And then through that authentic relationship that he broke down all the religious barriers, then he was able to share the good news and her life was changed. Does that make sense? And so for you to walk into people's lives and go, hey, I'm just going to, you know, save your soul. Come to Jesus. Here's the word of God. You need to listen to it. You're a sorry dog. You're dying. You're going to hell. No, listen, you go drink a little drink with them. You go eat a little supper with them. You go befriend them, not as a project, but as a person. Then you earn the right to share the gospel with them. The truth is this. This is the last point that I have and I'm done. We must be intentional in making our church diverse. I want you to think about that. 
This is where some of you guys are like, man, I don't know about that. I don't know about, you know, inviting all the Hispanics in our church or the, you know, we're mostly white. I mean, why, why, would we, why would we go there? No, listen, we must be intentional in making our church diverse. You know why? Because that's what Jesus would want. That's what he cares about. Galatians chapter three says this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. You can be black, you can be white, you can be Latino, you can be whatever color you want, but in Christ we are one. And we are called to live in diversity. Can I just tell you this? The most segregated hour of the week is typically church. Think about it. Is this is this proof? Most churches, whether they think it or not, whether they're black, white, Latino, or whatever, they are usually monogamous. In other words, they represent one tribe. And so here's the thing. Racism is still an issue in our world, but it doesn't have to be an issue in the church. It doesn't. My commitment to you, our commitment to you at Thousand Hills is this. It it is to cross the railroad track, so to speak. It's to cross the street. It's to cross the pasture. One relationship at a time with the desire to see us end racism, at least in our community and in our church. That's our desire. And that's what we desire to see happen. My desire is to, to have a church that is diverse as we can make it. Whether it be on our staff, whether it be in our outreach, whether it be in our love. Why? Because God cares about racial reconciliation. He wants it to be restored. Every race and every tribe has been made in the image of God. And my desire is to create in our church a glimpse of what heaven will really look like. Where men and women of all races come and worship We face the difficulties of today and tomorrow. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. But one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children 
will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. One day, down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when it happens. When we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Here's my question to you. Do you welcome diversity? 
or do you shy away from it? Are you a pro, are you a um, a part of the problem of racism, or are you a part of the solution? God's desire for us is to fight for racial reconciliation. Why? Because that's what he cares cares about. And so maybe you're here today, and maybe you need to make this 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 prayer your commitment. Lord, forgive me for the wrong thoughts that I've had, the presumptions that I've had, the assumptions you know, that I've had uh, about people who are different than me. Help me to be okay with the tension so that we can find reconciliation. Lord, give me humility. Give me grace to those that are different Maybe you need to pray this. Lord, help me to respect all men. And help me to tear down the barriers that keep us from being together. Lord, I know that this um, subject is not the easiest subject to talk about. But Lord, I thank you for, for asking me to talk about it. Lord, I thank you for a church that is welcoming to all people of all races. And I pray today that that you would be glorified and that we would fight for those that that maybe don't have it as well as we do. For those that, that go through things that we will maybe never know what that feels like. And so Lord, help us to reach our, our brothers and sisters of a different color. Open our doors to to the Hispanics in our community. Open our doors to the African Americans in our community. Open the doors to the Latinos in our community. And may they come and may they receive the love and the the forgiveness and the, the joy and the excitement that you have offered all of us. And may we do it for your glory. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. I thank you for sticking us in the world at this time so that we can make a difference for your glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bo Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction.